Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who have experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. Today I'm joined by Jamie Bell, a business lawyer and founder of Contracts Market. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you so much for having me. So how about we start off with having you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Sure. Um, So like you mentioned, I'm a lawyer. I'm also an entrepreneur. And I started Contracts Market, which provides legal contract templates for Canadian entrepreneurs. It's one of those areas of business that most entrepreneurs know that they need to deal with, but it can be scary. It can be intimidating. So I really wanted to create something that supports entrepreneurs and kind of meet them where they're at in their business when it comes to navigating legal. And then I also have a law firm in British Columbia called Wild Coast Law, and that's where I give more tailored um, legal advice to my clients there. Awesome. Well, and I think it's definitely such a great idea. Like you said, I think it can be overwhelming for entrepreneurs. So it's great that you offer sort of those services for them. And, you know, to start things off, do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, getting into law in the first place and what made you decide to, you know, go that route? Yeah, it's funny. I, I'm 36 or 37, <laughs> one of those. Um, and I grew up in a small town in Ontario. And it was one of those things where we didn't have the internet until like high school or something. And even then you don't have as much of resources or just didn't have access to information. And definitely um, I grew up in Orangeville and it was you know, everybody commuted to Toronto to do their work and they were accountants and lawyers and teachers and doctors, you know, those were kind of the options. And I wasn't good at math. And I knew that I didn't want to deal with kids all day. So I was like, Oh, I guess I'm going to be a lawyer. And it was just kind of, I don't think I gave it a ton of thought. And when I started diving into it and looking at programs For school, I liked the criminal side of things and like criminal psychology. It was definitely the time of, you know, CSI (laughs) and all those kind of shows I really liked. And I was like, oh, well, I could be like a criminal lawyer or a human rights lawyer or something like a little bit sexier. No one ever like thinks, oh, I'm going to be a business lawyer, you know? And um, so I just started getting down into that path and being on the law track, you have to be really singularly focused. And so that kind of starts, you know, in undergrad. And so I did my undergrad in legal studies and, you know, was very focused on this for somebody who wasn't like totally in their heart wanting to be a lawyer. I think there was just not anything else I really thought of. And uh, it's, it's such a boring answer, but I think it just goes to show like when you kind of get into something you know, if there's anyone listening who's a bit younger and maybe thinking about their, you know, journey in their life and what they want it to look like, take a little bit of time because once you get <laughs> into something, it can be really hard to get off that track. Not saying that you can't be flexible, but I certainly was very single focused. And 
I had this narrative in my head that even if I became a lawyer, I didn't necessarily want to be a lawyer forever, which also is kind of contradictory to this thing that I was, you know, 100% going after, which was becoming a lawyer. So it was a really interesting, conflicting narrative in my head all the way that carried me to law school. And law school was a big eye opener for me because I had always been really good in school and top of my class. And then you get to law school and I was definitely unprepared for like how intense it was. But in hindsight, you get a bunch of A types in a room together who are all the top of your class. And I'm like, well, I don't even know if I really want to be here anyway. And then, you know, so I still did well in law school, but it wasn't it wasn't somewhere that I felt really connected to or where I felt like I really fit in. So then I worked a couple of typical law jobs and, you know, downtown Toronto and in actually Kitchener, Waterloo. And then the whole way along, I was like, I don't even know. This is definitely not where I want to be for the rest of my life. Like I could not imagine spending 30 years of my, you know, good years <laughs> working in an office and like doing a typical law job and, and being surrounded by the kind of people that you meet in law firms. Like, many are lovely and many are there and miserable. Um, so you get, I made a lot more friends with kind of the support staff and, and people who weren't so addicted to making money and the law path. So yeah, it was just really, it didn't, it never felt right. Like law practicing law in a normal traditional situation never really felt right. And so in my last few years of working traditional law, um, I got really addicted to business podcasts and kind of any kind of self-help book I could get my hands on and started just, you know, investigating and seeing what kind of felt right. And, you know, I have to hand it to you for having a podcast like this and for anyone else who has podcasts because you are the mentors that people like me really need. So thank you for bringing people on who can kind of give a window into, you know, hope for those like me that were sitting there wondering how to start their journey or, um, you know, take a little step closer to where you really wanted to be. Yeah. So that's kind of what fueled me to make the change. It just being in typical lawyer didn't feel right in my gut. And, um, but it's really scary when you start trying to figure out what's next when you've been so focused on one thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I definitely know what you mean. And I mean, thank you for saying that as well. I'm so glad that, you know, these resources are available for people like in those circumstances. And, you know, I think it's really great how you definitely have been able to really make it your own. Um, you know, how, how you said you, it didn't feel right. And so that's what sort of prompted this company. So do you want to tell me a little bit about, you know, starting up the actual company itself and, you know, making that transition? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the transition I went from, um, I was actually let go from a job and between I had gone in-house counsel thinking that might be, give me a bit more space to think, you know, in-house counsel means nine to five and not, you know, seven to 11. <laughs> so there was a bit more time to think and just kind of streamline my brain. And I actually hated that job. Um, it was the worst thing that could have happened to me in the sense of the work that I was doing, but it was the best thing that could happen in the sense that I got let go. And right around that time, I met my current partner and he lived on the West Coast. So I was like, well, no better time than the present to take, um, 
my nine months off my like sabbatical, um, and kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And I think that point was really important because I needed to get out of Toronto and I needed to like put myself in a space that was so different so that you, I could have my brain, like think outside the box a little bit and like, okay, this is what I want my life to feel like. And you know, I don't really want to know what the next 10 years is going to look like. Like that for me is really scary. And so, yeah, that transition was I took nine months to kind of figure out what I wanted to do, um, did a lot of journaling. Um, and then we moved to North Vancouver, where I had a job very briefly, less than a year with um, a smaller business law firm in North Vancouver. And then when we decided to move to Vancouver Island, I was like, okay, I'm all in. I am doing my own law firm and I'm starting this business that is a contract market now. So I can be in the entrepreneurial space. Like I really just wanted to be hanging out with entrepreneurs and because those are the people that were really energizing to me, but it, I was definitely lacking confidence in that area um, of like taking that leap for sure, because they don't teach you business stuff at all in law school. And they definitely don't prep you for starting a law firm or starting a business outside of law. So that whole thing was, I mean, I learned so much every day. <laughs> um, but I think listening to business podcasts kind of gave me a sense of it's like you're in the trenches and it is hard, hard work. Yeah. And I think even, you know, people with backgrounds in business, a lot of it too, even when you start your own, you still, you never really know because there is no sort of blueprint for it. So I think it's definitely, like you said, it's a learning curve every single day. And, you know, speaking of entrepreneurs, as well as, you know, the legal aspects of it, is there sort of one thing that can be definitely overlooked as a business owner or an entrepreneur in terms of that and sort of what they should, you know, keep in mind and just to make sure they're fully covered. I know it's definitely a broad question because there's many industries, but, you know, if there's sort of one thing that, you know, definitely could be overlooked that you'd recommend, you know, a second thought on. Yeah. Well, it's, it's overwhelming for sure from a legal perspective when you're starting a business, but I think the most important thing is like, we're all doing this mostly to make money and the agreement that's going, you know, have a, a solid client services agreement. Um, I'm a big proponent of spending money once you're making money or spending money that will make you money. And I find like a really solid client services agreement is the thing that sets the relationships up right from the start when you are, you know, growing and scaling your business. It protects you. It also, when you are just starting your business or maybe when you started, quickly and you didn't really think about it. And now you're taking a breather or you've realized, and by taking a breather, I don't mean you're taking a break. You were like, okay, I got to get my stuff together because I am growing really quickly or I've had things happen, which I don't want to happen again. You know, even something as simple as a client communication breakdown, um, having a really solid client services agreement makes you actually sit down and figure out what your processes are going to be. So for instance, um, in my client service agreements, I have a communication clause, which is this is how I can be communicated with and when, when I will respond and when I won't respond. So <laughs> that's setting boundaries in your business. And it's also making your clients understand how they can contact you. Or um, for instance, what is your refund and cancellation policy or your rescheduling policy? And as we've seen in the last 18 months, those are really important to have really clear guidelines on how all of that's going to be dealt with. 
So I think just having a client services agreement in place that makes you reflect on how you want your businesses to run and then making sure your client is on the same page is kind of the the thing if you're a service provider that you need and that you know I have found in my business from testimonials and conversations with other um, with customers to the contract market that having that contract in place gives so much more confidence to you as a business owner. I mean, my favorite testimonials that I've received have been that having a really solid professional and like legally legit contract in their business has given them the confidence to raise their prices. Like there is no better testimonial to me because that's why we're doing this. (laughs) You know, like we all say that we like are doing this because it's our passion, all these things, but mama's got to eat at the end of the day. And so if you want to feel better about raising your rates or having a better client onboarding process or just knowing how you're going to handle things and something to point back to when things don't go according to plan, then the client services agreement is, is the starting point. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think, I think it's so important. And, you know, like we said before, it definitely, sometimes people don't think about that. So knowing sort of the impact that all of that really has on your business, I think is so important. And, you know, you talked a little bit about too, how when you're first starting out, you sort of had that fear of starting a business, which I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to. And you said business podcasts definitely help. Was there anything else that sort of helped you, you know, make that leap or any sort of resources you used to sort of overcome that fear? I mean, Google is an amazing tool. I was lucky that I actually, in my law practices, and even still, I get to interact with a lot of different entrepreneurs and see, you know, I've seen firsthand what a bad client service agreement happens when you don't have a good one. So I can integrate all those lessons into my business, but um, just talking to people. And I think that especially um, as women, we don't talk about money and things like that. And I think just starting to have more open conversations about that and feeling better about it, it helps everybody at the end of the day. Podcasts for sure, books, um, even just, you know, keeping an eye on like industry trends. That's why I love podcasts too, because even though I'm not a wedding photographer, I listen to wedding photography podcasts because then I have an idea of, Um, what those kind of clients are going through. So I think just thinking like, instead of things that will help you looking and reading resources that will help your clients so that you can understand where they're coming from as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. I think those are all some really great points and great resources that people can go to. And, you know, you talked a bit about there too, those before the testimonials that you've received from working. And I think that, you know, those are definitely always a really good, like feel good moment. And, you know, you know why you're doing this and kind of a big success. And has there been any other of those sort of big moments that really stand out to you? Um, It's funny that you asked me that because actually I just posted on my stories yesterday. Um, I was taking my dog for a run in the morning and I just flipped on, like I have podcasts lined up. Like, as you can tell, I'm a podcast junkie and, um, I flipped on the podcast, just queued up the next one. And it was actually the podcast host without me on it saying how they've used contracts market template and how it helped them. They invested in it and it was the best money they've spent in their business in a long time. And I was just like, all those days that you were listening to podcasts, hoping one day you'd be on one or wanting to hear 
a product that you've created come out of the mouth of someone else saying it helped them like that. I was just was sitting in the, uh, running on the trail and was just like, Oh my gosh, like it, you know, the hard days are worth it because I am helping someone. And it was just this nice full circle moment where I felt like, okay, whoo, this is pretty amazing. Like think about, I was just thinking like four years ago or three years ago when I started this business, what I wanted it to create. And I'm a hundred percent not there. I think it's always an evolution, but it was just this pretty amazing moment yesterday where I was just like, okay, just keep going. You know, <laughs> I think it's so hard. We beat ourselves up so much and you know, the to-do list never ends and it, it won't like, there's always something to do. Things change so quickly, but I think um, I am learning, which is a new thing to have a bit more compassion for myself and just realize that it will never all be done. So enjoy the fruits of your labor every day. It's a, it's a tough road being an entrepreneur, um, but we need to be a little, give ourselves a little bit more grace on this journey because there's no roadmap and we're usually winging it. Yes, definitely. Well, I mean, that's amazing. I, I love to hear that. And congratulations, because I think that, you know, those are the moments <laughs> that really stand out and, you know, just make it all worth it. And you you mentioned there too, that, you know, it definitely isn't easy though. And there are those hard days. And I you know I always like sort of hearing about those hard times so that people can relate. And so has there been sort of, you know, an obstacle or challenge that you've really had to overcome with your business? Um, I mean, I launched during the pandemic, um, both of them. So that was a really interesting time because I consider, I mean, it's not, but I'm not in the business of um, helping people through litigation or anything like that, which is like, you need it. I, I consider my legal services luxury in the sense that people will not spend money if they don't have it when it comes to legal and for contracts or things like that. And so I was like, oh, is this going to happen? So that was kind of like an interesting time to start a business in the trenches with a lot of other people. Um, but I really think the hardest thing that I'm learning right now is that there is no such thing as work-life balance. Um, I, I mean, people have differing opinions on it, but I tend to be a little bit of a workaholic. And so that to-do list that never ends is never ending. And I just have to get better at leaving it. It's been tough navigating working at home all the time. Um, I have a partner whose work totally crashed during the pandemic. He's in tourism. So, you know, working at home with a partner, that's tough. Um, navigating all of it. Um, I'm very happy to say I've started therapy. And I think just looking for, uh, if you're in a, a service or in a business that you hold space for a lot of people, as entrepreneurs, we often do, our clients come first and we try to always help them. But if you are in a, a space where you hold space for a lot of people on a daily basis, I think it's really important to find someone to hold space for you. And um, that has been a lesson for me just, and even just after a couple of sessions, I feel so much lightness around that. And so uh, I'm really happy about all the conversations happening online about, you know, breaking down stigma around counseling and therapy, because we, it's, we could all use someone who just has no invested interest in the outcome and just wants to be there to support you. So that has been my lesson. <laughs> I don't know if it's summed up in one, but definitely learning to just having a little bit more compassion and 
just chill out a little bit. <laughs> yes. No, I think a lot of entrepreneurs or anyone really can definitely relate to that. And I, I definitely agree. I, it's great to see that the conversation around that is changing online and because it is so important and, um, you know, it's helped so many people, like, like you've said. And so I definitely agree. And I think that those are some great, you know, key takeaways and tips people can really, you know, use for themselves. Um, and I, I'm just going to switch gears a bit now too, is, you know, talking a little bit about, you know, the building of your business but a little bit about the marketing of it. Um, you know, I know one of them is your affiliates program, which, which I'm happy to be a part of. And so do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, getting that up and running, especially in the beginning, marketing is a huge sort of part of building the business. And so do you yeah. want to share a little bit about, you know, what's worked for you? Um, what strategies have you used? Things like that. Yeah, sure. So I knew from like day zero that I wanted nothing to do with my own social media, um, which obviously is impossible. But before I even opened the shop, I had already had social media's managers lined up for it because I, I just, it's not my strength. And there was enough going on. My strength is drafting contracts and making sure my clients and customers are protected. My strength is not making catchy and engaging Instagram copy. And I'm more than happy to support other <laughs> entrepreneurs who are amazing at it. So that was my social media strategy. I mean, I'm still very involved. You, ha I can't give my face out yet to do real, have someone else do reels for me. AI, I hope one day will take care of that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I still have to be involved in stories and I love engaging with my community, but in terms of posting, I wanted nothing to do with that. So that is something I happily, happily pay for. Um, the affiliate program was really important to me because I think it's important in two ways. It's basically free, not free, but it's marketing through the best testimonials that you can have, which is word of mouth through people who have used your product or believe in your product. And so, I mean, I pay 20% to my affiliates, um, a different percentage if you were in the initial category. <laughs> so don't be worried if you're one of my initial ones, your percentage isn't changing. Um, but yeah, I pay 20% to my affiliates. And to me, that is, you know, compensation that I'm happy to give. I think that there's a lot of scarcity mindset that comes around um, affiliates. And why do I have to pay people to share my, like, no, I just look at it as it's a sale I wouldn't have otherwise made. And I'm more than happy to share that commission. Um, I use Tapfiliate. It's a little clunky, but um, it's the best one that I could figure out just in terms of um, tracking and metrics and things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then at the beginning, I was really active in Facebook groups and um, just finding like I spent quite a bit of time in them. And I just have found it's been very helpful kind of as a referral program. And I've built my business doing quite a bit of that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I focus. And then in terms of the last kind of piece is ads. I do run ads. I have incredible return on my investment, like my social media um, team is like blown away by my return on ads. So I don't know if that's because there's not too many of us in Canada who are doing this or what that is. To be honest, I don't know. But I do know that I'm happy, happy, happy to spend my money on ads. Um, and there's no shame in it for me. <laughs> I mean, I think I had a 500% return on my investment on ads. And so it was pretty incredible on my last sale. So, um, but I do believe in hiring an expert to do it. 
I will would never try to navigate that thing on my own. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that's incredible. And I think, you know, that is a great point too about, you know, if it's not your specialty or not your forte, delegating it out, I think is, you know, so important in, in a lot of ways. One, you know, it frees up your time for for the things that you want to focus on as well as, you know, it's, it's helping another business owner do what they love to do and focus on. So I think that that definitely is important in, in a lot of ways. And so I, I know you gave a lot of really great advice, you know, on, on those different pieces there, but if there was sort of one key piece that you'd give to someone who's thinking of starting a business or, you know, when you were sort of at that, you weren't too sure stage at the very beginning, um, what you wish someone told you at that time, maybe. Just start. I know that's so boring, but just start. And I think the other piece that I always kind of come back to that quote, comparison is the thief of joy. And I don't like a hundred percent agree with it, but I do think that when you follow your competitors or you are so like, if you're a photographer and you just follow a bunch of photographers, you are automatically going to think that your market is saturated and you might not think that there is space for you. There is space for all of us, no matter what your business is. Um, And I think you need to stop following all these photographers or stop being involved in that industry that you want to be really involved in because there's two reasons. You're going to think it's saturated. And the other reason is because no one can give you give the service that you're providing the same way that you can. And I just don't think I I never get fueled by looking at my competitors. I get that like, ugh, maybe I'm not doing it as well as they are or any of those things. Um, yeah, I just I just think stay in your lane. There's space for you and start. Like none of us have our shit figured out. Like I can promise you, even if you think that we do, people look at my Instagram like, wow, you're really good at social media. I'm like that has nothing to do with me. I have a team. I pay a lot of money to every month to do it for me. I don't have that figured out and I never would. So just stay in your lane and um, do what you are good at and, and focus on that. I, I mean, I need to take my own advice on that, but um, in other areas, but I think if we really hyper-focus on what we're good at, you'll be successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And I think you made a great point there too. Whereas, you know, you, you're never going to do it exactly like someone else. Like you are what makes your business different. That's why someone would want to work with you as opposed to someone else. So I think that that's a really great piece of advice that, you know, people should just start. Before we sort of wrap up here, I'd love to do just a quick rapid fire section. Um, So if you just want to say the first answer that comes to your head, owning your own business means. Not as much freedom as you might think. True. One word to describe your business. Sassy. Someone you look up to. Oh, uh, my mom. A female owned business. Rachel Rogers, We Should All Be Millionaires. Incredible book. Pick it up. There we go. A book you'd recommend. So yeah, there we go. That answers the next question. <laughs> yeah. A lifesaver for my business. So this could be, you know, a platform. This could be a planner, something that, you know, changed that game. My social media team. A non-negotiable. social project. I should give them a shout out. The social project. Social project. Perfect. Um, a non-negotiable you have is my running every week. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, you said that you're a podcast junkie. Do you have any podcast recommendations? 
Yeah. Um, Hello Seven, Rachel Rogers. Um, that's a good one. Um, I've been tuning into Twisted Histories by CBC right now. It's um, all conversations with Indigenous communities, just finding it really informative and also heartbreaking. And what's another one? Oh, System Saved Me. That's one I I never thought I I'm so disorganized, but System Saved Me is giving me hope. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. And last question, the best advice you've ever received? Trust yourself. Trust your gut. Kind Perfect. of cliche, but it's the only thing you can trust. No, I think that's a great piece of advice. So thank you very much. Um, and thank you for sharing all of the information, all of your advice and your story. I loved hearing about your journey. And do you have any future plans coming up for your business that you'd like to share? Just growing the crap out of it. Um, we have lots of juicy things that come through on email. So if you're not on the email list, um, it's where sales are posted and great resources, all those kind of things. So um, yeah, that's where we're, where we're growing next. We're going to be doing a lot of work for collaborations and influencers. That's kind of the next focus for Contract Market. So stay tuned for that. Perfect. And where can people go to find all of that, find you online, everything like that? Yeah, Instagram's where I'm hanging out most, Contracts Market and Wild Coast Law. If you follow Wild Coast Law, that is me doing my social media, which is why it's never done. And yeah, resources, blog, and email which can be at thecontractsmarket.com. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.